get, 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 get ready. Ozzy the Sports Junkie. Exceptional, distinctive, extraordinary. Ozzy the Sports Junkie. Thank you, Mr. Know-It-All. OTSJ is on. Begin. coming in the band is here yeah, it's a crowd it's it's a crowded show um I, I was out in the street earlier tickets were hard to get that was the band and paul Schaefer. by the way talking about the band yes i got something uh, to chat about besides sports today that i saw in the uh, theaters last weekend oh i want to hear all about it oh why not hear about it now i'll see the sports junkie along with my cohort my buddy world traveler extraordinaire just hot off the plane from new york city Jake Jacobson joins me on a No Hold Barred podcast. What is it, Thursday, if you're scoring at home? Yes. Jake, how are you, my friend? I'm fine, unless you're listening on podcast on a Saturday, then you're listening to Thursday's edition. Right. So yeah. there, just straightening everybody out so they know Could be a Friday, at. could be a Saturday. It's a weekend kind of show, is what I'm saying. And yeah. it's a uh, weekend, well, not beach weather, but I love a good rainy day. Is, is Ricky a rabbit? Or whatever. Who the hell was that country singer? Love a rainy night, Jake. Love a rainy night. So you went to New York City. I forgot all about that as I was texting you my weekly Beatles uh, uh, info oh, tidbits. God, I love the fact that you have become more fanatical than... Uh, I've always been. But, but after rain... You rain, became... and that's my second rain. I think it was a double shot of rain the two, twice in two weeks. Twice, twice in, in three a week. Days. Oh, three God. Days. I'm ready to go again. By the way... The lovely L squared saw the tour dates are already out for next year, so you can count on another twin well, twin peak. They're playing. I already know this because you know I keep track of this. Rain will be at Clearwater's Ruth Eckert Hall on April nineteenth, Sunday night at seven o'clock. Am I to understand no Van Wazel date? Not Van Wazel. Uh, that won't come out. Well, they might have come out early stages, but I, if they're in Clearwater, they usually not have Van Wazel and vice versa. You might get Let It Be here. The other version, which I'd be more than happy to go with, because they're great too. I'd like to see it. I like to, you know, test different Beatles. Sure. Uh, the tribute yeah. band. No, they're 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 very very comparable. Not as good for specific reasons, but they are really really good. But anyway, so you can get your tickets April nineteenth, seven o'clock Sunday night at the Van Wazel two thousand uh, at the Ruth Eckert Hall two thousand twenty. Great place to see a show as well. It's just like, like a, Van Wazel. Just like Van Wazel. A yeah. little bit of a, well, a little bit hell. A long stretch of a drive up there, and you got to go up and over yeah. and through the woods to grandmother's house. But 25, it, 50 minutes. Not yeah. bad. Once you're in the house, you're nice and comfortable. Yes. I love the fact, and I don't know if it's always been like that, but these, these high-end theaters, if you will, they serve drinks. They yes. serve, you know, you can get out and get a cocktail. Sometimes they have little appetizers. It's a nice night out, man. Absolutely. I don't mean to sound like some pretentious douche. But, you know, it beats standing there like a mook in this, you know, smuggling a in. Mook? Yeah, smuggling in a little pint of uh, whiskey or something. You know, remember the concerts? I always used to love this, Jake. After the concert, whoever it may be, because in Florida as a teenager, in this area, every concert was in Lakeland. Lakeland, Lakeland, Lakeland. That's where you went. Everybody uh, caravaned it. And there was no assigned seats. You just paid 12 bucks and you got inside. And you either sat in the side, in the side rows or you stood on the floor. And the floor got a little well ugly yeah. but after the after the show jake you'd see just the carnage and chaos of the yeah. the aftermath broken bottles yeah. cigarette lighters yeah. puke hair ripped up shirt a dead person and then you'd always see the green children the green kids who took way too much drugs and they took something they didn't know they were taking and you're like oh god 
the fuck happened to them? Crawled up in a corner somewhere. Oh, that, if that ain't drug awareness and prevention for you, just show any kid in the world that, and they'd never touch another drug in their life. But that's what it was in the 80s, and now we're into a, a different, an upper echelon where we go see shows, and we like a velvet crush seat and a nice, maybe a gin Ricky or a sidecar. Well, I got to be honest, though, Oz. When we went to Van Weasel back in, uh, I guess it was March for the uh, rain concert. Uh, I brought a flask. I put some vodka in it, made my dirty martini, brought a flask, put sure. it in, in my sock, put my uh, pants over, my jean pants over it, and uh, I got in. So I had my little flask and I drank my vodka, my dirty martini. And then fast forward three days later to Miami, Hollywood, if you will. Yes. I have never seen more 40 and 50 and 30 somethings freaking out as they were doing a cavity search to get in that place. I saw 85 men make a make a U-turn for the bathroom to unload or readjust, <laughs> right. myself included. Yeah. I told the guy, uh, it, was, it might have been the line of the night, I go, if the security was this tight at the Dakota in 1980, uh, they, the Beatles would be performing here tonight. But that's, oh, the, but, that's oh, the world we live in now. Talking about that. And the good thing is when we do this show, because we got to because it is a podcast and you could hear it any day. You got well, you want to be a little bit generic. You don't want to be straight on what's going on, like the British Open. We will we'll talk about it. But did you see the movie about yes? It's called Yesterday. It's about the guy who wakes up from a injury and finds out that nobody knows about the Beatles. I know you've been really pressing it hard on me, and I've not, but I promise that I will while it's still in theaters. It's it's just a very enjoyable. The concept, everything about it is just brilliant. And you'll sit back, you'll enjoy it. It's romantic. You get, you'll have a tear or two. But uh, it's just a feel-good movie in the overall aspect is it, of it. Is it Beatles-like music throughout, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened, the basic concept is the guy's a musician. It's based out of England. He's an Indian-British uh, guy. And uh, he and his core friends, uh, you know, they, he tries to be a musician. He, he's actually pretty good, but nobody comes to see him. He's doing baby shows and all that. He ends up giving it up. All of a sudden, in a 10-second span, the whole world goes to a blackout. He gets into an accident while riding his bike. When he wakes up, everything seems to be fine. He plays his girlfriend the song and a couple of friends. He's, he's finally out of the hospital. He's sitting down at a, like a waterside bar. And the girl, even though he's quit playing music, buys him a guitar. So he picks it up and he plays Yesterday. And they're all listening in amazement. And they go, oh, my God, that is unbelievable. When did you write it? He goes, what are you talking about? The Beatles wrote it. They had no idea who the Beatles was. So he goes back to his home and he Googles the Beatles and realizes the only thing coming up is Beetle Bug. B-E-E-T-L-E-S. So this starts a string of things. And he ends up, uh, I won't tell the whole story, but you just, you got to see it. Now, great. Beetle Bug is the website that's Beetle cover bands. Is that what it is? No, it, there is nothing ever called the Beetle. Beetles did not exist. The only thing they see is bugs, you know, oh, a beetle. Oh, Beetle Bug, the, the actual the uh, insect, I got Yes. You. you know, I had to explain to, to Lori, to the MSL Square last night. She goes, how come the Beatles? That's kind of a stupid name. I go, sweetie, they were Buddy Holly and the Cricket Fanatics. Beatles, B-E-A-T, as in beat, as in song. Oh, she didn't get it. Right. But, you know, you can't, to the outsider, you could miss that. Look, Because it's misspelled. It's, a real Beatles, B-E-B-E-E. That is correct. And the Beatles, it was a take on Buddy Holly because they were obsessed with him. All right, so get your tickets. Clearwater, Ruth Eckert Hall, April 19th, 2020. I know it's a distance away. Get the tickets now, and you know what it feels like after you pay for it? Seven, eight, nine months later, it feels like you're going for free. Because it's already been paid for. It's like buying an airplane, a flight to somewhere four months in advance. By the time you go, you feel like you're going for free. Absolutely. All right. I would recommend 
Uh, it's at Burns Court if you're in the Sarasota area. It's called, it's a documentary. It's called Echo in the Canyon. It's an, a documentary basically on the 1960s in this area outside of L.A. in the mountains where all these great groups like the Birds and Buffalo Springfield and Mamas and the Papas, uh, where they all these creative bands came together. They did their thing. They coexisted together because they were in the same area. They talked, you know, songs. They all tried to outdo each other. They all got high together. It was a fabulous documentary. And they talk about, like, the birds were a big thing that I didn't realize in the East, about 1964. That was uh, David Crosby from Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young. Roger McGuinn. And Roger McGuinn, of course. And they were, like, they looked up to the Beatles. Sure. And they found out when the Beatles came to America that the Beatles looked up to the birds. They loved them. They're crazy. So they became great friends. And then we also heard, uh, you know, there's big interviews with the Mamas and the Papas and the uh, Buffalo Springfield, which existed of Stephen Stills and Neil Young. And that's how you, you never get to the point where, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young came together. But this is how everybody knew each other. They all lived in the same area of the canyons outside of L.A. And they all, again, hung out and partied together. And I guess after a while, the chemistry was so good that they st- decided to play together. Are you saying this is a in the in the Burns Court Burns Theater? Burns Court. It is. What is the name of it again? It's called Echo in the Canyon. In the Canyon. And it's about, I've seen the preview for it, and it looks fantastic. It's fabulous. And they all talk, every single one of them, they also talk about the Beach Boys and their, uh, you know, their position during that time and of course brian wilson they're all looking at him and said the guy was an absolute genius i hear that the beatles that sergeant peppers was kind of based loosely correct on pet sounds absolutely it's all brought up in the documentary the film clips are absolutely amazing the interviews were phenomenal i gotta and see it, this and it's based on this guy and i don't know that i think his name is jacob dylan i don't i don't think there's a relationship to bob dylan because bob that's dylan really wasn't a uh, it wasn't a dylan that's his he was son a zimmerman is it really yeah it's his son he just played in tampa it looks uh, dead ringer just he, like he, him well yeah a much younger version but he is um he puts together this uh, band to go out and perform uh, in this concert hall, and he's playing all the hits of these groups. So it's a 60s, uh, he's doing the birds, he's doing... So you see, he's the one going out and interviewing David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Roger McGuire, Very uh, cool. Neil Young, stuff like that. And it's done so absolutely well. So when he does some of their songs... It's so good to hear, even though he's not he's the main singer in this, he also brings in some uh, fabulous voices from the woman's side. And it is just a an hour and twenty minutes you sit back and you're just you're you're rocking with the music. It is a fabulous document documentary, Echo in the Canyon. Echo in the Canyon. Jake Jacobs pick of the week. Well, I went to New York. You know, I saw some Broadway plays. Oh, I, I want to hear about the certain know? one that I saw pictures of because it looks spectacular. Which one? Moulin Rouge or King Kong? King Kong. Oh, my God. I sent him a 1960s uh, still photo of uh, the Beatles in St. Louis, and he sends me video of an 80-foot uh, gorilla coming right at me. I, I will tell you. That Moulin, looked amazing. Moulin Rouge is the play you want to see. It is so uh, much fun. It's it's a musical with a little bit of dialogue. But is, it, is it follow the movie Moulin Rouge? Yeah, it's in that, of course, in that in concept. Uh, the songs are great. You know them all. It itchy, itchy, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya. Yeah. Everything. Is there well, some skin involved? It, yeah, there's a lot of skin involved. Oh, that's right. It's 
it's in previews in New York, and I will tell you, I you know, I've been to Broadway a lot in my lifetime, but I have never seen a crowd. It's like watching a ball game where it's intense. Really, they were so into it; they were cheering and standing, and it was such an absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, just the whole put together Moulin Rouge from costumes to the dancing and singing. Recommend that. But King Kong, although not even on that close to that level, but the idea that is actually a, a, a an ape that big right. and how they do it on Broadway, the production itself is worth seeing. Was the I couldn't really focus in on it. I guess I didn't spend that much time with it. Did the the animatronic ape have strings was it all done by computer it, no it was or all done by mechanical mechanical wow. with people behind you moving but it's and, and the ropes and people on top of it and swinging the, but the facial expressions i have no idea you really got it didn't matter that you saw people moving around it was done so brilliantly and the facial expressions were you were so sympathetic like you're watching a movie it was absolute you can't i can you can go on facebook you can watch it and it's interesting to see because they allowed us to use the cameras when they went, you know, came out at the end and they brought the gorilla down and they moved it around. Did you do a meet and greet with the gorilla? I did not. Oh, man. I, I did not. To, I hear the Yankees are putting a waiver claimer in for him for the end of the season. They need more power in the outfield. But production work in, in Broadway is just phenomenal. So that in itself was worth seeing. But what was Mul the median age, you say, for the Moulin Rouge? Was the younger crowd? It was everybody. Everybody. It was, it was so... Freaking good! I'd imagine next to Christmas, summertime theater crowds got to be huge in New York. Are they huge all year? It, it, I, I can't. We Cliff, my friend who I went with, who is a you know photographer for all the big events here, the social life, so theater uh, theater know it all. Yeah, that's why he we, knows everything. That's why we go to Broadway together once a year because he loves seeing it and I love being with him and see it as well. But he knew the producer of uh, Moulin Rouge, so we wow. got our tickets for free. But they are August seats are two hundred. Yep, two hundred and fifty dollars a seat. Did you get Cliff a nice dinner or something? Well, I always take care of Cliff. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And plus, he could take pictures of you while you're eating. He got some great pictures of uh, you at the... Uh, the vessel. The vessel, which looked cool but horrifying. It is a uh, new area on the west side of New York called Hudson Yards. And in the Hudson Yards, which is filled up, I would assume, at some, with hotels and... Uh, I guess condos will be there. And the, uh, If and, I could interject, is, yes. is the morning show on ESPN film there, or is that a fake backdrop? No because idea. The morning drop backdrop of uh, the Mike Greenberg project, which is kind of fledgling, shows a, it's like they're on the uh, right on the Hudson River. I don't know if there's they've changed that from, a, from commercial to a TV studios or something down there. Maybe it's a fake background, but go ahead. Sorry. I have no idea. I would assume it's fake background, but I guess it could be because they have shot... I mean, it's high-end stuff of restaurants, shops. It's really great. And then in between on the outside of this whole area, in the middle, is called The Vessel. And they're changing the name. They're, they're taking surveys now and seeing who wins, and I guess they get a free pass or whatever it is that they have to come up with the name. But it is a... They get to spend a night with a gorilla from King Kong. It's a, Google The Vessel or Google Hudson Yards. You'll see it. It's a beautiful exhibit or, or structure that you walk up, and it's if you go around the whole... If you get to the top, you can go a short shorter distance, but if you go around it to the top, it's actually a mile long. Oh, what is at the top? Uh, a view. Can you? <laughs> That's it. it just Can steps. you? Look, do you feel at any point that you could fall during this? Well, they have. You know, they have the uh, the uh, whatever you would call them. Uh, Guardrails. Guardrail. Yes. Yeah, that, is, that ain't gonna do it for me. But it, it is. It's a beautiful structure. It costs. 
How much was it? Two. It's almost two hundred million dollars. And I'm thinking, you're you're a billion dollars to build a stadium for the Rays, and this structure was two hundred million dollars. I'm thinking somebody paid much too much for this structure. Oh God! And it's just stairs leading to the top. Yeah, it's around. It's it's so in it's, some sort of copper uh, metal. I have no idea. And how much was it to get in? It's free. Oh, it's free. It's a you reserve your tickets. You do have to reserve tickets, but if you want to get a like what they you can reserve it for a specific time. But if you want to call what do they call it a uh, open ended thing, then it costs ten dollars to get on it, and you walk up. There is no there is no elevator unless you're handicapped. Did Cliff make the hike? He must have. I saw yeah, pictures yeah, yeah. throughout. Oh yeah, it was. It, it, look, it's worth it. You can get up there if you want in five minutes, or you know, if you pace yourself, you get up and down in a half an hour. As long as we're touring New York, Lower Manhattan, I'm sure you've been. Have you been to the New World Trade Center inside to the top? No, no. I have not. I, of course, I've been there. Uh, I have not. I've been to the exhibit, but I haven't been inside the exhibit for the, of course, the, the whole episode of 2000 and uh, right. 9/11. Um, I don't know if I'd, I'd, I'd probably want to go in if, if they it's, even had. Do they even have tours of the top of the New oh, World Trade Center? I'm sure. Freedom I'm, Tower? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what. It was one of the coolest things I ever did in my life was go to the top of that in September of 2000. How do you like that? Did you go to the, um, wow, that's. Right weird. on the top, baby. Well, I'll tell you, 9-11, I was bar mitzvah September 11th in 1971. That's your bar mitzvah day? Yeah, September wow. 11th. It's weird. That's, I mean, that, that dates in. There's all kinds of things that, that come back to that and. All kinds of different conspiracy theories, this, that, and the other of the of the twin towers and and Amadeus and uh, what's it not Amadeus Nostradamus Nostradamus yeah. or Amadeus Nostradamus was full of shit. If you throw enough shit against the wall, you're going to hit some no, of it. I don't know. Uh, if you really look back on things that he predicted, I know you, you he's can, pretty. He's on a lot of stuff. You can look at things now, and then five years later, it happens. He's got a lot, way more hits and misses. He is unbelievable. But uh, yeah, we went to the top of that, and I thought it was. I mean, I'd always seen the towers. Where did you I, go? I, Windows of the World? No, we went to the other one. Because that's the restaurant, which we, is phenomenal. We went to the observation deck. Okay. And they had, it was right out of it. The, there's a Simpsons episode where they go to the top of the World Trade Center and Homer's got to take a piss because he drank all the clam juice. <laughs> and he gets all the way to the top and he's, the, the bathroom's out of order. It says, use other tower. So, <laughs> I am not shitting you, Jake. My, my father-in-law and I, we were having a couple of cocktails on the way in. Because, you know, in New York, you get right off the subway from Long Island. There's a guy selling beer right there on the side of the, uh, of the, uh, in Grand Central. He had a couple of beers, having a couple of cocktails. We get all the way to the top, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to pee so bad. I got to go pee so bad. I get all the way up there. It says, bathroom out of order. I mean, it was right out of the Simpsons. So I said, screw this. I went in the ladies' room, pushed some woman out of the way. Well, of course. But yeah, I'm petrified of heights. But you were like 15 feet, 20 feet back from the edge. So That's you didn't true. get the look over. But my God, the view was just, I could have stayed up there forever to just see all of Manhattan, yeah. see all of uh, Brooklyn and the boroughs. And, and then you look the other way to the to the harbor and there's there's a Statue of Liberty. And oh my God, it was yep. it was something that I'll never forget. And that's why it really struck me. Well, let me ask you A year to the day when she came down. And, and I don't know a person in this country that didn't have some kind of tie to it. I don't think there's any question. Um, but I did want to, you know, in regards to the uh, the Empire State Building, have you been on top of that? I have not. Okay. Of course, the, it's not as, it was the highest building. It's not anymore. And it was the highest building in New York. Now, of course, the World Trade Center was and is again. But that is a different perspective because the Empire State Building is located on around 30, 33rd or 34th Street. So you get a better view of 
uh, of the Central Park area, which is just an outstanding. I mean, you can't the size of, uh, of Manhattan itself, right. the island. Until you're there, you can't re- realize the magnitude of it. But then you, when you look at Central Park, which is just a phenomenal park, and it is endless. So when you see it from the view, because you're much closer to it than where Battery Park and the World Trade Center is, I would recommend if you – and I did offer you to come up with me one time. I will. We'll do the Statue of Liberty. You better you, believe I, it. But the only thing is you are not 15 feet back from uh, overlooking mm. the it, – it's right there. But it is a huge fenced-in area. Well, so maybe we'll uh, stop and have a few drinks before we get up there. Uh, I have been to Central Park. I have been to Times Square. But like I said, I just scratched the surface the, the time that I was there. And I, there's so much more to see. I went to Manny's uh, famous music store with the Beatles and Hendrix. They all bought guitars there. Why well, didn't pick up something there? But I will next time. Well, I will tell you this, which you would have been great. I don't, I don't know how much of a museum guy you are, but depending on the exhibit, I like to go to a museum. Now, my sister recommended Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is a legendary, iconic, historic figure in New York City on 82nd and 5th. So she told me to go there because there were three exhibits, but the one she really recommended was, I can't, it's something to do with music. Sure. But it's every instrument going back, not every, from the, you know, the high-end musicians from the 1930s, 40s, 50s, All the way through 60s. Van Halen. I saw a thing about it. It, it is. And you read in the, the captions, the synopsis oh. of each one, Ozzy, you can spend hours. They have the whole. I have a picture of the whole. Be- the original Beatles, Ludwig uh, uh, drums, drums and their uh, what is it? The Radovich uh, guitars, and the, so- the Rickenbackers, Rick and, and the Box yeah. amps, and the Hofner bass. They got the Van Halen to the chorus. Yes, because yes. see, I'm one of these people too. Not everything, but I keep things throughout my life as you know mementos of shit that I've done. I can't understand people. Oh, I don't have anything from that. You saved nothing. You did all that. You have nothing to show. I'm not a pack rat. I don't keep everything. But they have Eddie Van Halen's 1979 triple Marshall yes, stacks yes. with his real chords, yes. the guitar, the pedals. Yes. And, and he said it, it just boggles his mind to look at it because it's like a time machine. I don't know how. And you know is amazing. And I say you are a real profet. You can play in any rock band. Your, oh, thank you, buddy. Your ability is so absolutely You're too nice. But to have, what do they call it? The necks? Is that where you do the riffs and stuff that where the chords are? Is that a neck? A neck, guitar? yeah. There were, as you said, there were three of them. And when you look at that and then you see pictures of it, where I don't know how because there are different levels. So how do you get your hands and the arms because you're playing at a different angle? Well, you, there's only incredible. one neck. I mean, what are you talking about? No, there about? are three necks. Oh, a triple necker? A triple necker. Those are just novelty acts. It's insane, though. Nah, I mean, that's two necks. Jimmy Page was the first yeah. one to bring that on for the 12-string and then the lead of uh, Stairway to Heaven. And that's another thing, the 12-string, the double strings and stuff oh, like that. Oh, it's bizarre. I mean, I, I had never tuned one before. My friend Eric is a, a twelve-string genius. Like he's a chordsmith. But you played likes it. To say you it. played a twelve-string. I not only played it, I rebuilt it and then tried to tune it and had a small nervous breakdown followed by stroke. I, I could because imagine. Here's what it do. Your here's frustration a, level must have been. Oh my peaking. God! It, you have the big string, right? Your your normal six strings, right? And then you have a second string, which is smaller, which has to be tuned to that, but a an octave down. And it's right there. And it's right there. It's how do you? How does it play differently? How much more difficult is it for A you? lot. Well, for chords, it's pretty simple because this, the second string is so small that you don't really... You, you notice it, but you can adjust to it. Playing leads is very, almost in, impossible. I can do it a little bit, but it, what it is is it's like a natural chorusing effect because it doubles everything. It gives it this rich, harmonious sound. Like, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Roger McGuinn and the Rickenbackers that started the whole birds scene. They got that whole idea 
They all pitched in their, their nickels and dimes and went and saw Hard Day's Night and saw the Beatles playing Rickenbacker. And he said the next day we went right to the store and we put money down on Rickenbackers. And that's where that sound came Listen from. Me. That's why you have to see Echo in the Canyon. All the things you're telling me right now is him saying it. Roger McGuinn. It's David Crosby talking about it. It's Stephen Stills. It's uh, Eric Clapton. It's Michelle Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas. You hear the stories. You sure. hear the scene. They don't go outside that area. They're, they don't talk about, like I said, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills. They don't talk about them getting together. It's all about that time. Those groups, the parting, the getting laid, the drugs and all that, it is just brilliant. It had to be a wild time, wild. man, because the, not only were they they were in the forefront of the whole uh, pop, uh, the scene, the whole revolution that was, this, uh, the country was basically following their lead. I mean, the Beatles were in the lead, the lead pole. They all. But they were, th that whole yeah. pack of musicians were just changing the way people not only listened to music, but thought, dressed, acted, the, grew their hair, lived. The honor that you felt from them, from being a, it was very humble. It wasn't like, uh, and they, you know who else was, uh, Tom Petty was a big, even though he's, of oh, course, this sure. is before he passed away, he was a big part of them interviewing and talking, because I didn't realize how, I didn't oh, think yeah. Petty was that old. Rick and Bacher, 12 string, his oh. whole thing was the birds, his whole thing was Bob Dylan and the correct, Beatles. Correct, correct. If you want to see something, and, and sit, you got to really, it can't be something of past, you have to watch the whole thing. If I Needed Someone was a Beatles song that Harrison sang. When, when uh, Petty and Harrison had a very close relationship. They did. He said he never had an older brother, but he considered him his older brother. And he said that Harrison considered him his son. Well, That's they, how close they were. He sings, If I Needed Someone. And he's singing it at the funeral or the memorial service. And he's looking straight up. And I don't know if he's looking up as to George. You can see his face. He's been crying all day because his eyes are just like he's uh, just completely his whole face is flush red and his eyes are beat and beady and red and he's looking up I don't know if he's looking up because he doesn't want to look down and have the people see him crying but he can't even make it through the song he's crying as he's singing If I Needed Someone by, by uh, Tom Petty sang at the memorial it's one of the most moving things I've ever seen and I can't believe I didn't catch it so I heard about him talking about it on a, a Tampa station and I mean I had to take a knee watching this thing it's I mean it's incredible because he said the song, the lyrics of the song are is, I've got some news to tell you that it's a girl telling you he's breaking up. But in retrospect, it's George Harrison telling Tom Petty that he was dying. So, it's, oh, oh my God, God, is it a song? And well, then uh, Tom Petty, what a, I mean, I hate to talk bad of the death. What a moronic thing to do. He still had tons of life left in him to, to overdose on drugs. I mean, that's just so, such a, a disgusting waste. But he's the one of millions who've done it. Stupid. Yeah. Especially at his age to get away. Uh, the um, and this is what inspired me to go see Echo in the Canyon when I got back. Uh, I got back on Monday. I wasn't working, so I got in at twelve o'clock. And I said, you know, to my wife, do you mind if I go see the movie at two? She said, no. So I'm glad I did. But going to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to see all this stuff inspired me. I had to go see this movie. But in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, they had this tribute of Tom Petty, Eric Clapton, and George Harrison's son doing my while my guitar gently weeps. Oh. I was in the museum, tears rolling down, but at the same time, my goosebumps all over the yeah. place. It was so unbelievable. The songs, that, and not to sound just like a, a complete gushing uh, Beatle dork, those songs today, Jake, are just as good as anything on the radio, if not better. No doubt. And they're just as fresh today as they were. Now, I'll give you the first like two Beatles albums. There was some, some pop, bubblegum pop stuff. That, but it was great. Great songs. 
Great songs. They wouldn't pass for t- for uh, top 40 music today. Anything on Rubber Soul Beyond would, would be on the radio today and it'd be the number one hit. I don't. You can't I, write songs like that anymore. Their variety and their, their over a 10-year period, their progression happened so quickly from this, as you said, teeny bopper type of whatever you want to call it. But it was fun. It was I fun. mean, she loves you and help and I want to hold your hand. That's great stuff. There's a, there's a scene in the uh, Eight Days a Week, which if you've not seen that, people got to go. You got to go see it. Uh, here's a, a tip for you. Here's Ozzy's tip of the week. Don't spend a penny. If you have Facebook, who doesn't? It's free. All month long, go to the Beatles as art. It's a Facebook page for free and eight days a week. And it's funny because somebody copped that off a Russian feed. It's got the Russian subtitles, but you can, you can, uh, really? you just ignore them. It's the whole movie unedited, uncut, free. You can watch it over and over and over again. The, the recolorization of those videos and the redone audio. It's great. They're playing the weekend. They landed in the U.S. They played in New York at the Ed Sullivan show. Then they went down to Washington to play a concert and the people at the theater, at the auditorium, had no idea what even to do because there had really never been a concert before. It was, it was like Elvis and, a, and a, two guys behind him. So they got the drums face the wrong way. So you can hear J- John going, turn the fucking kid around, you moron. <laughs> and Ringo goes to turn it, and he pulls it. He's like pointing at his back, like, I'm not going to hurt myself, like waving these two old cops to get on stage and help him swinging the drum around. Oh, God. But the sound is all digitally. You knew if Ron Howard was involved, it was going to be top-notch, and it's beyond top-notch. Yeah, Ron Howard is phenomenal. So, you know, you keep, you know, when we talk about these documentaries and you're listening to Holds Bart with Ozzy and Jake, and this is what we do. Could be sports, it could be anything else. You're right. And uh, talking music to me is, uh, is I'm as passionate about a good good music, good bands, good as I am with sports. I am I too. grew up with both of them. Because both of them will bring goosebumps to you. Yes. If I see a Cubs 70s highlighter, if I, anytime I see that 85 World uh, Super Bowl or the Buck Super Bowl, I get the goosebumps just like I do if you put on a, a classic Beatles or Kiss or or a Jeff Beck album, whatever it takes to. And you ever feel, I've been driving to work, Jake, I've miserably, maybe either hung over, I stayed up too late, I played my band the night before, I don't feel good, I don't feel like working, I feel horrible. A song comes on the radio and you instantly feel 100% better. Absolutely. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That music can do that to it's you. It's like a drug. It really is. Yeah. It pumps something into it, endorphins, call it what you want. But I've personally experienced it all the time. So Echo in the Canyons, as we continue our discussion on music, uh, again, Bob Dylan's son, Jacob Dylan, puts together this documentary about the, the bands of the, the middle band, the 62, 64 to 67 bands, the Birds, Buffalo Springsteen, uh, Mamas and the Papas, group associations, group like that, what they meant, and of course the Beatles. So the only Beatle that's involved with this in this documentary, and you see him firsthand a lot, is Ringo Starr. And Ringo tells stories, and he tells his ad- admirations for certain guitarists and and, sure. and, and and bands like the Birds and the friendships. As I told you early in the podcast, just to to have like David Crosby sitting around and knock on the door, and it's Ringo Starr, and the next thing you know, they're going out and they're partying and they're talking music and they're playing, and then they go to another house, and it's Michelle Phillips and John Phillips and all these, and they're all there. And, and the Beatles, even though they ruled the world by then, by the they'd already been in America three or four years and, and just taken it by storm. You, if you've ever been out in L.A., I mean, the way those winding hills, the streets up in the canyons and stuff, it's like you you really do feel like you're on top of the world. I mean, you're in Hollywood. You're where everything happens, and you're the king of where everything happens. They had to just be, the drugs would just enhance the high. It was, it was a community of incredibly creative and talented musicians 
who all were like, they, I don't think they were jealous of each other. I think they admired each other, sure. you know, and they really learned from each other specifics. And they admit it. We heard this, like you said, the Beatles hear pets, pet sounds from, uh, from the Beach Boys. And, of course, Brian Wilson was the director, producer. He wrote everything. He did the whole thing. And that inspired them to do Sgt. Pepper's Lonely uh, Hearts Club Band. The, the Beach Boys, another one. The father beat the shit out of them until they were good. I never understood that. My son, my and daughter, like hey, I, I want him to succeed, succeed, succeed. And then they succeed and I beat the hell out of him because I'm so jealous. What kind of an asshole does that? I mean, my God, wouldn't you look at your son, look at both your sons. I mean, I don't see you hitting him with a baseball bat all the way to, to 970 every morning. Because they can kick my ass. I, well, regardless, if they could, you don't think that Tito and, and uh, all the other Jacksons could have, <laughs> Michael could have kicked the shit out of Joe at the end. I don't understand that. I hate you, dad. You're some more successful than I was. Well, I'm buying you a house, you old fuck, so shut up. How can you be jealous of your own children? And that just is beyond me. Uh, uh, go ahead. Well, the Jackson, I, I don't know if the father Jackson, but seeing the movie, he was such a prick. Uh, just a, a tyrant. A tyrant. I mean, he really, he would be arrested and put in jail for what he put his kids through. He should be. And then uh, I heard story, the horrific stories about Michael was, was how he was. Because they had him clinically cast, or uh, uh, what do they call it, medicinally, chemically castrated. So his, he'd never lose the high voice. Whether that's true or not, I, could be an urban legend. I, I don't know. Yeah, how that sounds like, yeah. My so. ex-wife tried that on me. It didn't do a <laughs> damn thing. If anything, it doubled it. You know, when we were talking about uh, uh, guitars, and you were bringing up the 12 strings and all the, these, uh, of course, Jimmy Page and, uh, and uh, Jimi Hendrix, these great, they're all great for guitarists like yourself but they had um because the who i've seen numerous times are notorious for breaking their guitars on stage especially sure. peter townsend so they had some of the broken ones they had like the bottom part wow. and then the neck part uh in this encasing and that and then you, you see the synopsis on it. it's great i love it I didn't, 1960 68 peter townsend london england wimbley blah 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 you want to see if, if you're not a who fan well first off wake up you want an introduction to the who whether you're a who fan or not just dial it on YouTube. Dial their whole set. With, here's the crazy thing at Woodstock, Jake. They came on, I think, at 2.30 in the morning, and they played till the sun came up. I mean, just, and Townsend, people think he's just a little Cord Smith, Cord Smith uh, pinball wizard. No. He could shred, yes. and he's in that one-piece jumpsuit, and they do Young Man Blues. It didn't get any heavier or harder than that. Well, a young man ain't got nothing in the world. That goes on for a half an hour, and Townsend just rips the shit out of the guitar they weren't anybody to mess around with. The Who were right up there. The Who, Zeppelin, Sabbath, The Beatles, Deep Bru Purple. I brilliant. mean, all just genius. And they all different genres of music, but all great. Brilliant and distinct sound. Every uh, one and, of them. And great, uh, especially a guy like uh, Roger Daltrey doesn't get enough credit for his entertainment value. Oh, my as well. God. I, I saw uh, The Who, quickly. I saw The Who, 1988, Tampa Stadium. Uh, again, had the uh, ticket connection like you did. A girl worked at a record store. I got fourth row. They started around five o'clock. They did the entire Tommy acoustically, just the three of them. I think maybe another guy on a uh, second guitar. And the, the stadium, as it was filling up, because most people didn't get there till the eight o'clock start time. Not me. I was there front and center. Watched the entire Tommy from start to finish. Then they came out at eight o'clock, Jake. And they played for three freaking hours with horns, with backup singers, and I mean three hours of nonstop punch-in-the-gut hits. And Daltrey must have been about, I don't know, early 40s in 1988. 
ripped up chest, no shirt on, swinging the microphone. One of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. Yeah, they, I saw them at um, the amphitheater uh, in Tampa, I think 10 years ago. I might have been there. I, I think I saw that. What happened is the original night canceled because Daltrey had uh, strep throat or horse, or horse uh, throat, you know, whatever they call it. Long horse face? <laughs> yeah. You know who suffers that? It's the girl from Sex in the City. It's Don't so stop sad. It. Sarah Jessica Parker. All right. She's How come attractive. she's so beautiful? And then she's a total two-faced, isn't yeah, she? I, if you had to do one chick from Sex in the City, who would it be? I'd probably go with the old slut. Or the short-haired girl who's on a Seinfeld episode. The crazy blonde-haired. Well, yeah, what's her name? Louise Dreyfus? No. Well, that's who I love. Of course she was on Seinfeld. I'm How did we get Sex to- in the City girls. There was the, there was the older slut. Yeah. It was very hot. The red-headed one. I'll pass. Well, she's gay. Naturally, anyway. <laughs> Not after I was through with her. Um, or maybe more gay. Um... I'm getting back to Joel Train. You had horse face, horse and then you had her friend, the one with black hair, who's kind of prim, not really prim yes, and proper. Yes, she was, she was on a Seinfeld episode, but she was very cute You're right. as well. She, uh, she was the married one. I think everybody else was single. You know what the original name of that show was? Whores. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Roger Daltrey, as you, I think you brought up earlier, previously in the conversation. Because he was the lead singer, that's what he knew was known by. Occasionally, he'd take out the guitar and get involved. But he re- originally was going to be the lead guitarist, which ended up... I forgot why he ended up... Townsend ended up being the lead guitarist. I think maybe it's because Daltrey's showmanship, he wanted to concentrate on the singing. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I know that Roger played uh, guitars on certain songs. He did on Eminence Front. Yeah, he would take... But he he was... I don't think he was a lead guitarist when he'd come on. He would play what, what you would call... Uh-oh, look who's in the house. Dougie Fernandez is here. Well, believe it or not, we've been on the air for uh, nearly 45 minutes, Doug, and we have only talked about two things, basically, and that really is a little bit of my trip to New York last weekend, but music, because I saw a great exhibit at the Metropolitan Museum of Art about all these great guitars at all these great uh you know, members of the Who, uh, every great rock and roller and before then. And it's a great exhibit, but also Burns Court has a great movie called Echo in the Canyon. It's about the great bands of the 64 to 67 and the influences. So you got the film clips, you got the interviews with people like uh, David Crosby and Stephen Stills and Roger McGuinn and my- Michelle Phillips and Ringo Starr. It's phenomenal. Talking about that, I, w- I brought up Neil Young before, Oz. Sure. Even though they don't interview him now, they have film clips from him with Buffalo Springfield, uh, Springfield with uh, Stephen Stills. He was not somebody you would think was a great guitarist or singer because he was so f- freaking long and lean. Speaking of the, the uh, canyon and the California hills. Echoing, echo in the canyon. How about this? Somebody bought the Bianca home, Bianca Lana home, the site of the grisly murder for the Fan- Manson family. The, the Buddy Bianca Lana home? The Buddy Bianca Lanka. I thought he was the shortstop for the Royals in the he 80s. Was. But Did you man, say I don't know. Can I get this one story yeah. in? Talk Go ahead. Please. Uh, Mick Huber, who uh, was a colleague of mine, was out in L.A. recently with his wife. She lives out there. Uh, he goes to a Paul McCartney concert, completely blown away by it. At the very end, he says, you don't mind if I bring somebody out, do you? Oh, when he brought Ringo, Ringo Starr. Star. Yeah. Wow, that was the Sunday night. Went that, crazy. That, that was, was this in last LA. Sunday? Yeah, he just got Yeah, it was last yeah. Sunday that in happened. In LA, my friend went to it. Uh, she was posting it on, and she had unbelievable seats. But yeah, Ringo Starr popping on stage wow. is like... I tell you what, though, it was kind of a little bit saddening. I, I saw some highlights of that show and the one before it. Paul just sounds tired. I don't know if he's under the weather he's or something. Seventy-four years old. I know, old. but you never noticed it before. Give or take. Let he sounds. He's never sounded. He sounded a little tired. 
He sounded a little tired, but you know something? He's had a good, he's got good reason to be tired, but maybe he was a little under the weather. But yeah, that would happen last John Sunday. I'll get that. People don't realize that, that Ringo was the oldest. Yeah, maybe 78 for Sir Paul. Yeah. Do you see where Ringo was knighted as well? He is seven. He was born in 42, 77 years age of age. I mean, look, you, you're out there, you're, you know, he's been playing since his early teens and right. been in a band since his, uh, what, 20, 21 years old, the Beatles, whenever they, they were all in that age group. So he's been playing for 50, 60 years, touring all over the place. And, you you know, you, it's, it's like a Broadway play. You're playing every single night in a different city. So you're running around. And you might be in New York for three or four nights, maybe L.A., the same and thing. 77 years old. It's, sure. Not 77, that. yeah, you You can. know, to bring it back to sports quickly, how about the Rays? And this is a perfect example. Dwayne Stats, he's taking some roadies off. If you notice, they're working a new guy in, who is not bad, by the way. His name who escapes me. He's kind of, he kind of sounds like a young Hawk Harrelson. But, you know, you think, what's the big deal? You're just doing ball games. Uh, to travel, hotels, to stadium, hotel, back to flying at 70 years old. And Dwayne's been doing it for 40 years. And talk. And talk and get prep for the game and be on spot all night long. That is exhausting, man. It sounds like it's an easy gig, but it's not. It's not, And it's not just him. I think just like they give umpires uh, a week off and they have guys filling in. Right. They do that with broadcasters. So Gary Cohn does the same thing with the Mets where he'll take weekends off and stuff like that. Did you happen to see John K? Was it? I always get John Sterling and Michael K confused. K, is he still on the Yankees broadcast? K is the main guy on the broadcast and he does the show Michael K. He with does John four hours of ra- three hours of radio and the game every night? Well, yeah, he'll miss some uh, some broadcasts of the uh, of the Michael K. That's a hell, hell of a freaking schedule. Even though it's called the Michael K. Show, Don LaGreca, his sidekick, is right. equal to uh, to Michael K. They're great together. I don't know what K. If he had a, a bad week or whatever, he's he's starting to slip in the in the uh, the goof ups. You can find him all over. He's just starting to have meltdowns on air. There's a whole culture in New York of people make fun of Francesa. Gary Cheevers joins us here today. Gary Cheevers with a stick save. Greg, <laughs> Doug, Doug's still pissed off that the, he didn't get the full sweep this year. You want to hear about the latest story coming out of Boston? Uh, I, Doug, is it, if, if you do it into a microphone. But, there's the tea party. Is the tea party another tea party? By the way, are you, are you, there's, a, there's a nexus to the Tampa Bay Rays involving uh, David Price and Dennis Eckersley. Bring it on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they, on, on a flight, uh, when uh, apparently Eck on the air referred to one of uh, Edgar uh, Eduardo Rodriguez's rehab assignments in Pawtucket a couple of years ago. He said, yuck, and Price took umbrage of that. So when Eckersley was getting on the team flight one day, uh, he, Price was waiting in the middle of the plane, and as Eck walked by, Price basically said, boy, you're a big man, you know? And then when, when Eckersley tried to uh, say something, Price said, get the F out of here. I heard that's an old story, though. Well, that- apparently it's being brought up again because they- Eckersley just did a 3,000-page story uh, written by a Globe guy in their Globe magazine, and they devote about 300 words to it, and Eckersley referred to it, and Price couldn't let it go, and he tweeted, basically, why is this crap being brought up two years later? It's the story du jour. Up in yeah, well, they, they've been feuding for years, and yes, I've been reading up on that as well. So, I, look, I don't get, first of all, you gotta. I, I don't know if Eckersley's a nice guy or not, but you, as a pitcher, though, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, he's, uh, you know, I think Price should show him a little bit more respect. And, it no is, kidding. and it's, look, a ball player where you're around these players, and now you're being in the broadcast booth, and you're going to be criticizing people. Right, That's I mean. the way it is. Yeah, they do. Your they whole life, and when you're on a baseball team, and you're especially your pitcher, is just 
that's all you eat, live, breathe, and, and you just it's your whole world. So obviously he's going to have opinions, and that's what they hire you for. They hire you for your color man. And, a play, you know, as a player, I think it's a lot easier if you just say you suck when you have a bad game. You're there. I'm not seeing the ball as well. I, I'm out there in batting practice. I know it's going to come, you know, but I know I suck, and if people want to boo, I get it. If you, say, if you come out like that, how can you, you know, you got to look, look and respect them. They do. Yeah. How about uh, a guy who's very, very self-critical, who just got his $158 million extension, Chris Sale, started the season off, and you had to love his honesty. He said, I suck. Exactly. Came out today, 12 strikeouts the first six innings. So he looked good today. They were calling it a horrible deal yesterday, saying, God damn, we're stuck with this guy for nine years or four, four years. What did he get, five years, 150? Four, four years, but I, I, uh, me and every Red Sox fan, the best pitchers have already left that on. Okay? Look, Chris Sell is a phenomenal pitcher. And oh. uh, it, it, Jay, come on, he's a six-foot-six guy, max effort guy. The best, his best days are That's Doug Fernandez way Doug, in the back. We'll try to enhance that and put... Uh, <laughs> For the hearing impaired, please enter a four-digit pass now to Look, receive I, the code. I, I, first of all, I'm not buying that, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't think Jacob deGrom, who was just another level last year, and he's having a semi-down year this year, but you still know he has the stuff and the mindset. So it's the first year of his big contract. I don't think he's not going to get it back together. He's certainly... A, since the season began to where he is now, certainly is up his game again. And I don't think there's any question over the next three or four years, he'll be a top five pitcher in the MLB. I was going to uh, run that by you. I heard some DeGrom trade rumors. Did the Mets maybe try him and, and load up on some prospects? DeGrom and Syndergaard are not going anywhere. Wheeler, Mats, that's a whole other story. But Syndergaard, in the only way you can get a Syndergaard, you better overwhelm you with your top three prospects. What would you think of that catcher? You just jettisoned and hit three home runs against the Yankees the other night. I was very happy for Un- him. Unbelievable. But it's over. You got to know over the season, he's been injury prone. The Mets sure. had. Look, I liked him when they came up. He was known as a, he can hit at every level. Never was able to put together as a Met, most of it because of injuries. So, you know what? Give him another shot somewhere else. For the record, two of those home runs would not have gone out of any other ballpark that, but, but yeah. Yankee Stadium. because they were the just, last one. Yeah, they were just shot little flyouts to right yeah. field. But a can of corn goes out of the stadium there. Meadows has one out today. Diaz are 2-2 still as a double dip in New York. It looks like an actual doubleheader started at 4 and 7. You think they well, cleaned the park out? It was 3 o'clock. That's a good question. It was supposed to be a 3, but because of the delay, you know what? I think you're probably right. I think it's going to be a, just a doubleheader. Man, remember, no the days, of fans. remember this schedule doubleheaders? I would get the Cubs schedule, and it would say DH, Cincinnati, June 12th. For $5, you got 18 innings. You did not just leave in the park bullshit. It was well, like, I, night this yeah. was just a, well. At Wrigley, we had no lights, so it started at noon. Second game started at about three. But Doug's Doug brought up twice night double oh. That was a guarantee. If you had one that year, and it usually was on a Friday yeah, or Saturday night. No, nobody. Well, yeah, there's a lot of money involved. But when you have a three and seven o'clock game, I don't think it's possible, especially if it starts at four. But they're not going to tell people if they did have it as a doubleheader where you have to. That'd be, a great, tell- that'd be a great question. When was the last scheduled doubleheader? Scheduled. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, yeah. In the rate, in the start of the season, you're talking about a real doubleheader. Like where at you the, see back half an a, hour. De- a real doubleheader on the schedule in before the season starts. It's it's happened. Hey, you know a trivia question? When when our Darno hit the three home runs the other night, the first Ray to ever hit three home runs, of course, was Johnny Gomes. I know that because it came up again, and no one could come up with the answer, and I knew it was Gomes, but I still haven't pinpointed the Madden era. 
It must have been Longoria, maybe Upton, maybe Pena. Somebody had to have a three-home run game during all those years. He can't be the only the second-rate ever three have three home runs. Do you know how hard it is to hit three home runs in a game? It's a, who the hell said I could hit all two? Right. How'd you get in here? And Paul O'Neill. That's not a home run, Mr. Kramer. I mean, because most pitchers, when a guy's first at bat is a home run, he's not throwing them the same pitch. No. He's throwing them something different. And uh, th- th- some pitchers have two, three different options and different speeds at them as well. So it is almost, it happens more often than you would think, considering how difficult it is to hit a baseball. Oh, Jesus. I saw a fight last night. I don't know if it was, or last week, it was Arizona against some hor- another horrible team. And some guy just standing uh, three quarters of a second too long watching his bomb go into the upper deck. Here we go. Pitcher had to meet him at home plate. And both benches got him. What are you supposed to do? Keep your head down and run sprint around the bases when you hit a home run? Everything is offensive now. Strike him out the next time up. Yeah, throw a pitch he doesn't hit into the upper deck. Or throw a chin. Speaking music. of which, you see your Mets, Alfonso, or whatever the hell is your 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 King Kong of a first baseman Peter, there? Peter Alonso. Did you see the hit home run he last hit last night, night in San Diego? I was crying. Good Christ. It made it all the way. Almost landed in L.A. You know, every once in a while, and I, I'm sure Doug feels the same way, you, you as well, but... You know, you can look at a team and love the team, but there's not one specific play you love, love. Oof. But what? And it's been a while for me. I think Dwight Gooden was the last player. And that's a while back that I really, well, maybe Mike Piazza, but I love so much. Mine was Ed Cranepool. Go ahead. I'm sorry. This is where I'm at with Pete Alonzo. Why? 24 years old, big, strong, and just a happy-go-lucky kid. Your son had a great tweet when he won the home run derby. He just doubled his salary. He's making nothing. It's us. Uh, Pete, Pete Alonzo, Pete the, Alonzo, the first, first baseman, who won the home run derby, he's making a million dollars or something. I'd like to be his agent heading into arbitration hey, next year. You guys haven't been talking about this third baseman the Rays have that unsigned uh, uh, Oakland University, the Detroit area. This uh, is background noise. I don't know. We can, we can hear the Beatles louder than you. <laughs> we'll talk about it on the next episode. Are you doing a podcast with Doug after this? Maybe. It's going to be called Assholes and Elbows yeah, and anything in between. You just think, you guys are globetrotters. He's. You took on the north, uh, northeast, New York corridor. He just got back from Boston. As people, everyone's getting their vacation time in. Oh, that sucks. As everyone's getting geared up for Jake, next week camps open. NFL camps open next week. I'm excited. Are you ready? Yeah, look. Uh, I better be freaking ready because I got the announcement that I'm not going to say it until it's announced. As a Jet fan, just the idea of knowing that I have a guy like Le'Veon Bell to watch. And how about those slick new Jets uniforms? I like them. All right. I, I, you don't? Well, I know we talked about it once. Let's like, put it. On, let's put it on. Let me see them on the field. That's first of all. And I'm never. I've never. Even though I work for a company in Publix that wear green. Right. I'm not a green guy. No. No. I can't wear red. My yeah, light. I, my light skin. I look like a ghost. I much prefer when the Jets wear the white uniforms trimmed with green because I don't want to be overloaded with the with the green uniform. Just, well, let I, me tell you something right now. Like it. It, whenever they play on, on national TV, a late game, like a Monday night or a Sunday, I'll be wearing my Jets hat, as you see there, that I wouldn't give to you because I want to wear it. I have the same one. If you want to meet me somewhere, we'll both wear it. Look like a couple of stooges as the Jets get beat 68 nothing. You know how I feel. You got to come to my house. All I right, like I'll, I'll come to your house so we can sit on the couch and wear matching hats. Absolutely. Hey, I got a pair of Jet sweatpants, too. I'm going Jet, all Jet. I'm, no, I, a Jet I, is a Jet. Here we go. A jet is a jet is a jet is a jet. Look, I, I I'll look at Doug and he knows that I'm respectful of the. I don't I don't hate the pitch. I only respect him. I don't care about the the football gates and the spine. It's irrelevant. It is. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback that's ever lived, in my opinion. And I thought John Elway beforehand because of his ability to move around the pocket. But Brady, look, 
it, the rings tell it all. And the players, the, the intertwined and all that. And Bill Belichick, without a question, is the greatest coach that ever lived as well. Forget Lombardi. Oh, yeah. I mean, I Lombardi mean, had the same core of players basically every single year. Kind of a one-trick pony. Belichick can do it. And Belichick came to New England as a defensive genius and turned into an offensive genius. The fact that, what was it, 17 or 18 years later... The same quarterback and the same coach are still winning Super Bowls for the same team. And the offensive coordinator, defense coordinators, every linebacker's coach, they all go out Everybody and get other gone. jobs, and half of them, you know, don't even succeed. But he, whoever he brings in, and the beat the goes on, and the beat goes on, and it'll keep going on. Well, oh, that, that's a, it, you can say that about any team. Any team is just a broken, revolving door of just coaches and quarterbacks. How many, how many bucks? How many buck head coaches have they had? The last well, six years? look, you, six. They're working on their seventh. It does talking about the coaching at Bucks and the revolving door of different coaches and you all that. that but, for that's, a lot of teams. but that's but yeah, look at the Jets have gone right. through over the years. You just hope now they got them. You know, I look at it. Well, here comes a rival team coaching gaze coming over from Miami. I, I he didn't do anything really there. But all right, if the if the scouts out there and the other people in the NFL say this guy does have the smarts to do it, I'm certainly willing to give him another shot. But as far as my excitement for the team, the second year Darnold. Uh, you got Richie Anderson, you got Anunua, you got this uh, C.J. Mosley coming in as linebacker, got and it. the draft pick from Alabama, Williams at the defensive line. Uh, yeah, I think I'm more excited, and I think maybe the gap, it might take a year or two, but I think the gap has slowly closed a little bit. And a top-notch running back that they didn't have before. Well, that's will help the quarterback that's... immensely. Football is one of the sports, though. The NFL t- today, you can win now. It's not like baseball where you know there's like, there are 10 teams that don't even stand a chance of even competing. Football, the Jets could get hot, the Bucks could get hot. Anything's possible. Now, of course, the, the odds of that happening, at least you have a chance is what I'm saying. Baseball, you know the Marlins, the, the, the Royals, the Pirates. There's about half the teams in the major leagues you know that they don't even stand a chance. That's what's so incredible about the Rays with their $40 million payroll up there kicking the Yankees' ass with their $300 million well, payroll. I, I think it's now $80 million. Am I right, Doug? I don't know. But payroll I, for about $80 million? Uh, all of your facts come from me now. I got a story for you, pal. You do have a lot of facts, oh, oh, by the way. I want, look it up. I want a story. I want a story. The fag. I want a story. We'll clip that. I want a story. And this has not been addressed by anyone. Why doesn't anyone ever bring up the fact that there's five teams that play within a 20-mile radius, 50-mile radius of Tropicana Field, that's the same sport? I've never, I've never heard anything. What other team in any sport? You know that Clearwater averages 2,500 a home game? That's 2,500 that could be at the Trop. If you added those all up, that's 15,000 people. That could be the difference in, in a make or break. But I'll put it to you this. Let me ask you this question. If the Buccaneers put a brand new stadium in where the Trop's at, would it be full? Hell no. Would it, Jake? Well, first of all, they don't, when they're, the way they're played the last few years, they don't sell out anyway. If the blackout wasn't list, uh, lifted, uh, if, if the NFL finally got smart and allowed you know broadcasting games that aren't sold out, yes. they wouldn't be on TV a lot. I don't think you put the Lightning, you put the Bucks, you put anybody in St. Petersburg and it would have succeeded. Well, I would say when you talk to Doug, and uh, if you do a show with him after this, Doug knows more about this than anybody. He's on top of it. He's out there training camp and Bucks camp and all that. He was barred from that back they barred him? Yeah. He was barred. That whole uh, Raheem Morris situation. All right. The By the way, the Tampa Bay Rays 2019 team salary is $52 million. Wow. That was the uh, currently? Or is that yeah, the adjusted? This year. Well, you know, John Romano, your cohort uh, in, in sports writing, Doug, has called for the books to be open, and I'd love them to be open. 
All right, Stu, let's see how much you're losing. Of course, he's making, he's making 50 money. to 80 million. He's not. He wants to make 500 million. What? Did, That's what, what the Yankees make. This isn't New York. It'll never be New York. What did I bring up? Uh, Look, that, well, that's it. He bought the team for two hundred uh, million dollars. It's now worth a billion. Five, and it's now worth a billion. Don't you think, though? Well, the, the, according to the the big shots in Tampa, whether this is true or not, if Stu, if Sternberg would have come up with at least half, which would have been five, four to five hundred million, they would have come hell or high water. They would have raised the other half. The stadium we'd be working on right now. Then they move in, and they're instantly going to be worth a billion five. There's your mil- there's your money back. And everything else is profit. No, no, none of this makes sense to me. It and, doesn't make sense. And, what doesn't make sense altogether is this cockamamie half thing, because that's never going to fly. Well, think of this. We're here in this area, of course, so we're part of Tampa Bay. And even though I might not root for the, they don't have my heart and soul, but I love having them here. Just, of I mean, I'm a sports fan. But the bottom line is, if you go outside of the Rays market, outside of Tampa, you go outside the state, most people are going to say, I don't care. Yeah, they don't. But did you, you imagine the Yankees or the Cubs or the Mets or the Red I mean, Sox leaving and splitting town? Unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's a part of life. Imagine the poor people in San Diego. They, the Chargers weren't just some flash in the pan. They had 50 years, 50 classic years. So that it happens, and it could happen to us. And I think it would be a black eye that Tampa Bay would never recover from. That's, that's a good point. But the, the difference in that is you're going from San Diego to right. L.A. instead of uh, Montreal, you know, 1,500 miles away. I could deal. I mean, it would be a harsh blow. But if the Rays were to move from, from St. Pete to Orlando, for example, I mean, you'd just have to swallow it. But if they're gone, they're gone. And I don't know, man. It would, it, it would be a harsh, harsh pill to swallow. And... I hope that it's all posturing. I hope it's all political games that Stu is playing with the minds. And you know what's really pissing me off is it's the politicians in St. Pete and Clearwater or St. Pete and Pinellas and Hillsborough that are infighting amongst themselves. If they got together, there's no way that the thing couldn't be done collectively. Figure it out. Figure That's it out. But line. We're going to lose a team because some old fart wants to be who went from condo president is now the mayor of St. Pete. They don't have no fucking poll. So we're going to lose our team. Team, because uh, uh, Maury and uh, some old fart who was board president is now mayor of St. Pete. I love how he said, "We're going to stick him to that lease, Kreishner." Dude, you're going to be gone at the end of the year. You'll be dog catcher. You got no pole, man. By the way, your laryngitis is coming back. <laughs> it is, and I get all stirred. <laughs> what are the Rays doing now? They probably just oh, Meadows with a broken leg it's, now. It's two-two. Bottom of the fifth. Two outs. Yankees up. Nobody out. Do you think I, having not gone to a doubleheader since I've been drinking age? I haven't been to a doubleheader. Maybe a minor league one, but not a major league one. And I wasn't drinking at five or ten at back at Wrigley Field. God. Do they cut? They cut off beer in the seventh. When do they restart selling beer for game two? It'd be a good question, wouldn't it? Well, but if it's an actual doubleheader, if it's a changeover of fans, and oh, if it's a changeover of fans, which is pretty much everything. But is, if it's an actual doubleheader where you don't have to leave, which I don't even know if that's existing. That is an unbelievable question. You, or maybe you leave it open till the end of the game, and then you don't sell beer. Not, none of that makes no. I don't know. No, because Doug, do it, your homework and write an article about it, would you please, Doug Fernandez? There's many, many ways to to go around that. A, you bring in, you can't bring in your own shit anymore. They, I went to the chop and you got to pay Father's 20, Day. twenty dollars for the Yankees game last Sunday. Twenty dollars to park. Oh, it's, a, it's ridiculous. New York, it's forty dollars. They, I mean, they make you clean your pockets out. You can't. You got to clean out all your pockets. Take your shoes off. Everything to get in the drop now. The guy did a rectal a, a cavity search on me, and then I realized he had a, sh- a hand on either shoulder. I said, "Sir, I don't think that's your finger." 
Wanded? I had a buddy who's been wanded there many times. Wanded? We got back, we, background noise again. Yeah. <laughs> what? Was that, is that Wanda Sykes, former uh, All right, comedian? Be, All right. Be, before we wrap this No Holds Barred afternoon with Boz and Jake, or depending on whatever time and day you're listening to it, British Open, as we speak, underway in uh, England. Well, it's over now because it's nighttime. Tiger Woods ended the day seven shots over Ooh. par. So he's basically... He's not going to recover from that to make the cut. He has one shot. He goes seven under Mar, goes to even, then he has a chance. Because the leader is J.B. Holmes at minus five. Uh, and then J- Shane Lowry at four. And this guy from anywhere, Alexander Norn, minus three. Sergio Garcia, minus three. So it looks like for Tiger to get back in this and make it to Saturday, to the weekend, he's got to shoot probably even par. That is one bitch of a, of a length golf is just another animal altogether. Well, if you don't hit it straight, you're in these weeds that oh are, you know, Oh my God, it's face. eight feet deep grass and, and those bunkers are 30 feet deep. Yeah. How do you ever practice pitching out of or something you can't see out of? Well, Tiger did this many years ago. I can't tell you how, 10 years ago, seven, in his peak years, when he did the whole course, right. I don't remember which one it was, he did use his iron. So he hit it low in line and just let it roll. So yeah. he, all he wanted to do is hit it straight, and the ball would roll 300-plus yards. Hence the term links, because there's really no green. It's all just one big... I just at least, It's can, like rock. Can they get some goddamn fertilizer? I don't like when it's all brown and nasty. Yeah. The greens are the same way, and they're quick, and they're, they're double greens. They go on to other... I know they know, invented uh, the sport and everything, is, but tighten it up over there. You no, know, there's something very unique. I know it's not pretty. You've been over there. Have you ever played links courses? I have not, but wow. uh, my family, because my brother-in-law is, of course, are from England... Uh, they want to go to Scotland. My father-in-law was born there, but was raised in London. So that nobody's ever, be. nobody's been ever been, been back there. So we want to do a trip there and play the Lynx course. That could not be Britain, right there. That could not be the UK. That is not uh, England. That is somewhere no. in Florida. No, it's hot and it's green. No, no, the, we do. We do. Well, but, I'm telling you, I think the Bucks by this time next week, some point next week, camp's open. So that's a whole nother ball of wax to unfold. And then before you know it, we got football, baseball. Before you know it, hockey and basketball are back in action. Now, if you learned anything from today's No Holds Barred with Oz and Jake, you know you have, if you go to New York, if you're there in the, while this exhibit's on about the uh, musicians, Metropolitan Museum of Art. If you go to Broadway and you like spending a lot of money, go see Moulin Rouge. And if you want to see a nice movie, especially in the local area of Sarasota at Burns Court, you like music, you want to hear the history of 64 to 67, Go see Echo in the Canyon. Well, thank you, sir. It sounds like I'm glad you had a fun time. If I go with you next, or when I go with you next summer, I want to catch a Yankees game. Is that doable? If you want to do it, it's done. It's done, baby. It's done. The show's done. Jake, always a pleasure, my man. Love you, Oz. No holds barred. Check it out on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you can find a, go- a podcast. It's there, and it, the numbers are growing and growing. See you next time. The No Holds Barred radio podcast, only on the Ozzy Radio Network. There's no try. There is only do. Yoda. You're listening to the Sports Junkie Radio Network.